we're having Kids Connect, so that's for um, grade, grade school age children. Uh, this morning we're going to be looking at Psalm 67, so if you guys want to go ahead and turn there. If you're using a, one of those black Bibles underneath your chairs, today's passage is on page 481. For those of you guys who don't know me, my name's Reed, and I've been going to BC for a little over four years now, and I live in Hannibal with my lovely wife, Shelby, back there, and I teach high school English at Bowling Green High School, and so uh, this is cool. Like, you guys are, like, listening to me and, and want to hear what I have to say. I'm not used to <laughs> such an attentive audience, so it's cool. <laughs> I, feel, I feel really honored to be able to, to preach this morning, and I'm really excited to share um, this message. Uh, this is a one of my favorite psalms and, and something that I feel really passionate about. So let's go ahead and read through the psalm. Uh, again, it's Psalm 67. We'll just go ahead and read through all seven verses. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for um, your word and that we get to um, learn from it this morning. God, I pray that uh, you would speak through me, you would speak through your word, that um, you wouldn't let me get in the way of what you want to speak this morning. And I pray that as we look at this psalm and we talk about how great you are, God, and how you are worthy of our praise, I, I just ask that you would stir our affections for you. And um, God, that we would want to call all the nations to praise you. And I just ask that you would do these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, a lot of what I'm going to be talking about this morning is, is going to be um, something that, that I'm very passionate about, intercultural missions, or, or cross-cultural missions, rather. And um, when I used to think about missions, I would have never connected it with the Old Testament. I kind of had a disconnect in my mind when I thought about the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was almost like there was two different gods. Like in the Old Testament, I saw a God who was very um, severe and, and wrathful, and he seemed to just care about Israel. And then when I got to the New Testament, it was like, oh, he's much more loving and gracious, and he cares about the whole world. Uh, it wasn't until I got to go to East Asia and, and spend a semester over there when I was in college that I got to see more and more that God's, God's the same in the Old Testament and, and in the New Testament. And we got a chance um, while we were there, uh, Jerry Howard, who many of you guys know and was sent out by BC, um, he challenged us to read through the whole word in a month. It was during a time when we were, students were gone on break and so we had a lot of downtime to do that kind of stuff. And it was then that, like, we were reading through the whole Bible and the whole narrative of the story in such a short time that I saw, um, yeah, he's not just the same that in the Old Testament as in the New Testament, but he's also, it's the same plan that he's been working since the beginning of creation. And so it's my hope that part of what this, my message this morning will, will do is to help us to see that, uh, that, that, of God's unchanging nature and his glorious unfolding plan 
and that we will praise him because of it. So I'll kind of start with my, my main point, and that is um, God in his grace has blessed us so we might tell all the peoples about him so that all the nations may praise him. So that's kind of what I'm getting from this psalm, and then hopefully we can kind of unpack it, and I'll show, where you're, where, show you guys where I'm getting that. So if we start with the first two verses, um, let's read those again. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. And so the psalmist is beginning this song, because that's what it is. It's a psalm, and so it's a, it's a song. And he's asking for God's grace, his blessing, and for God's face to shine upon them, which essentially just means uh, God's favor, you know, his, his, his blessing, his mercy, his protection, and his peace. And then the us in this passage is more than likely Israel, because this, is this is in the Old Testament. So he's asking for, may God be gracious to us, talking about may God be gracious to us as a people, as Israelites. So he's asking for God to bless Israel, but why? Why is he asking um, God to bless Israel? And verse 2 has our answer. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. And now the word that can be used in a lot of different ways, but here it's being used as a conjunction. So it's joining together two different clauses saying, may God be gracious to us that your way may be known on earth. So in other words, the purpose of God's blessing and the psalm is in order that, may, that God may be known on earth. So he's not blessing Israel so they can, you know, selfishly hoard his love or, or his blessings or things that, they, that he's given them. Um, he's pouring out his favor on them for the purpose of making himself known in all the nations. And so that's kind of my first point is that God's blessing is for the purpose of making himself known. And this isn't the first time that we've seen this idea in the Old Testament. Um, in fact, it goes back to Genesis 12 when God first takes Abram and he's making covenant with him. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses two and three, we can see the same idea. Uh, God tells Abraham, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Right? So through Abraham or through his descendants, which eventually become Israel, God ends up blessing all the families of the earth. So, again, the purpose is so that God may bless the nations by making himself known in all the earth. So this psalm that we're reading, Psalm 67, is kind of rooted back in this promise with Abraham, uh, this idea that we're blessed to be a blessing. And um, this has been God's plan all along, not just in the you know New Testament, but this is God's wanting his name to be known among all nations in the Old Testament as well. And so if we think about how have we been blessed for us here, um, you know, in the 21st century, we're on this side of the cross. And so the most significant blessing that we have is the gospel, that we were, our sin had separated us from God and God loved us and he sent Jesus to live the perfect life that we couldn't live and to um, bear the punishment that we deserved and so that we can be adopted into God's family um, and that we can uh, spend eternity with God. And so that's, that's the greatest blessing that we've been given. And so we've got to ask ourselves, you know, why has God blessed us in this way with the gospel? Um, and it's the same reason here as Israel, for God's glory among the nations. That's why he's, he saved us, saved us. It's all about um, his glory. I mean, yes, he's, God's motivation is, is love. That's, you know, why he, why he saves us. But the purpose of all that is for God's glory. 
And in, in America, we've received a lot of blessings, um, you know, beyond just, just the gospel that, that we know, but, uh, you know, lots of freedoms that other countries don't have and, and relative prosperity. I mean, even the poorest among us would be considered wealthy in many other countries. And so the reason for all this blessing is, is so that God may be known among all the nations. So uh, it's the same reason as, as why God was blessing Israel, but the method looks a little bit different because in Israel, um, in the Old Testament, like Israel was to be a picture of God's people for the nations. You know, they had like the temple and, um, you know, the, the Ark of the Covenant and those types of things, and God would bless them and all the nations would come to them and see, okay, this is what God's like. But now that we're on this side of the cross, we can... Um, you know, see and then see what Jesus says, like, you know, go and make disciples of all nations. And so the script has kind of been flipped. The way that God's glory is known among the nations is not like a come and see Israel, but now it's a a go and tell, Um, which is kind of my next point is is the fact that that God's heart is for all the nations. And verse three kind of highlights upon that. It says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So God's blessing his people so that his saving power may be known among the nations. And now the psalmist is calling for all the peoples to praise God. And when I was reading this the first time, um, the English teacher in me like wanted to get out my proofreading pen. I'm like, peoples, you know, no, I, you know, I want to just cross out that S um, because let the people praise you sounds a whole lot better than let the peoples praise you, right? Uh, but actually the grammar here is, is super important. Uh, it, it changes the meaning of the verse completely because if it said, let the people praise you, then, then, it, then it's just kind of like a, a general call. Oh, you know, let, let people praise God. Um, but since it says, let the peoples praise you, right, it's talking about people groups, okay? So it kind of changes from this general call for people to praise God to a, a radical prayer with great vision, because now it's not just Israel that's gonna pray, that this psalmist is calling for. He's calling for other people groups as well to praise God, and not just a few of those people groups, but that second line, boldly declares, let all the peoples praise you. So that every tribe, nation, and tongue, people from all nations, that they would praise God. And this is like, (laughs) this is amazing. And for us, like in this day and age, you know, like we have the Great Commission. We know about Jesus and stuff. So this doesn't seem such like a mind-blowing idea. But for them, like the Israelites, they were like, we're God's chosen people, right? We've, we've got the uh, covenant. We've, got, we've been delivered out of Egypt. We've got uh, the scriptures, all those things. Um, and yet this psalmist is saying, let all the nations, all the peoples praise God. So this was a, a radically universal prayer. And uh, they're just, it's, it's not just that God's chosen people would worship him, but all the nations would be blessed with this privilege as well. And including us, who um, most of us, you know, aren't Israelites by ethnicity. So this is really good news for us. And uh, a, a cool thing about this, this psalm as well is like when it's translated as English, into English we read it as like kind of like a prayer. Like it's saying, may God be gracious to us and let the peoples praise you. And it certainly is a prayer. But also when, you, when it's read in Hebrew, that it can be read as a prophecy as well. And so the psalmist is not just praying that these things would, ha- would happen, but it, the psalmist is also saying that these things would happen and, and that all the, you know, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue someday will praise God, uh, which is amazing. And, and we know from places like Revelation 7, um, verses 9 and 10, that this really will 
happen one day. John records that. He says, uh, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So, gosh, praise God for this because he... This, this has been his plan all along, and he says it's going to happen, and we know that it's going to happen. You know, it's, this is a story that, you know, started way back at the beginning, and we're still a part of it. We haven't seen this, um, you know, the culmination of the kingdom where every people from every tribe, nation, and tongue will be praising God. And so he deserves all the praise and glory. And so we've seen God's blessing is to make him known. God's heart is for the nations. And then the third thing that I want to talk about is that God's desire is for praise, because that's kind of the main point of this psalm, is, is the idea of praising God. So let's go ahead and read the rest of the psalm, starting at verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Ultimately, This is a song of praise, as it should be. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And why are the nations glad? And why do we praise God? The rest of the verse says, because he judges the peoples with equity and guides the nations upon earth. So it's telling us two things, that God is just and that God is sovereign, and that both of these things are making him praiseworthy. And so let's talk briefly about justice first, because it says, you know, he judges the peoples with equity. And equity just means justice. the quality of being fair and impartial. So we serve a God who is fair. He, he reigns over all things and he'll make all things right. He'll, he'll punish wrongdoing. And that's, I think, if you think about it, that's a really important fact of our universe that eventually all things will be made right. Eventually justice will be done. And, um, you know, there's some that, that come against a, a biblical picture of God and, and will say things like, doesn't a God who um, punishes sin kind of make followers that are also really um, judgmental and, and, and wrathful and, and seeking vengeance. Um, I could kind of see maybe why somebody would think that, but actually the opposite is true, that if God's the one that ultimately has justice, then we don't have to be the ones that make things right. You know, God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? Um, he'll, he will repay. So it's actually those who don't believe in a God who will ultimately have justice they're going to be the ones that are tempted to kind of take matters into their own, own hands, you know, and, oh, I've got, to, I've got to get back somebody back for this, um, whereas we can be rest in knowing, you know, justice will ultimately be done. But also the question is, you know, what about when we're, we're the ones that, that have done wrong? What about when we're the ones that deserve punishment for our sin? And, and in, that's in this, this psalm too, I think, um, Verse 1, talking about, may God be gracious to us. He really has shown us grace. And, and he's answered that prayer in a way that the psalmist didn't even see, um, you know, in, ultimately in Christ, that um, it was on the cross that God showed himself to be perfectly just as well as perfectly full of grace. Um, he was just in that he didn't just, you know, say, oh, that's fine. You know, your sins are, you know evil doesn't matter or whatever, you know, like I need to, he's like, I, you know, I'm going to set things right. I'm going to punish this sin. And he, and he didn't hold back his wrath yet. He's perfectly gracious at the same time because he poured it out on his own son um, in our place. And so that's, 
that's one reason why we, why we praise God, um, because of his, his justice. And then this psalm also says that God guides the nations upon the earth. So this is pointing to his sovereignty, to his absolute control over all things. And I'm incredibly thankful for his sovereignty because as me personally, I, I struggle a lot with, with worry and anxiety. And, um, you know, if we just to, to take an example of, of what's outlined in this psalm, you know, about like all the nations praising God, uh, take, for example, um, you know, say you, you leave your job, you sell all your things, and you pack up and you move to overseas to minister to an unreached people group. And you're there for 20 years just ministering to them, um, faithfully sharing the gospel and loving them. And after those 20 years, you don't see, you know, a single soul trusting Christ for salvation. At that point, you could really start to worry and you could think things like, oh, I must be, you know, using the wrong technique. Or maybe I'm, um, maybe I'm uh, not trying hard enough. Or maybe I just wasted the last 20 years of my life trying to minister to this people group. Well, the good thing is that God's word tells us something different, right? We would know that ultimately due to God's sovereignty, it's not you that saves that person, but it's God who causes hearts to believe. And even better, you would know it's not true that it's all for nothing. It really has a purpose because like this psalm says, let all the peoples praise you, right? That's a, that's a prayer as well as a prophecy. And, you know, we have places like Revelation 7 that tells us that every people from every tribe, nation, and tongue will be praising God. So no matter how bleak that situation may seem, God's predestined people from every people group that will be one day worshiping God. So this is, um, we can't lose the missionary battle. Like ultimately God, God wins. <laughs> and so that's so freeing that it's not, it's not up to us. And, and just again, like another reason just makes me want to, to praise God because it, he is sovereign and he holds all things and ultimately he wins <laughs> and all the people will praise him. In verse five, he kind of, he, he's repeating verse three again saying, um, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. But he's not just trying to fill space to make it long enough to be a psalm or whatever, but he's, it's a song, right? So he's overflowing with this refrain. This is like a chorus where he's saying, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. He's bubbling over with praise. And, and why? Why does God want him to praise him? You know, that's, if you think about it, that's kind of a, a strange request if, um, you know, if I were to, to tell Kyle, like, hey, you should, you should praise me. Like, he's going to think, like, okay, either he's super insecure right now <laughs> or just very arrogant. You know, that just seems like a weird thing for, because this is God's word. Like, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So God's asking himself for us to praise him. Um, this past June, uh, Shelby and I got the opportunity to go to California on a, a one-year anniversary trip. And my favorite part while we were there was uh, Sequoia National Park. Uh, I was, I love big trees, <laughs> and uh, I'd never seen trees that big, you know, I mean, it's just this beautiful red bark, and like 15 of my arm spans couldn't even like go around these massive trees that are thousands of years old, you know, that were just little saplings whenever Christ walked the earth, and um, I was thinking about it while we were there, that we usually like things, things bring us joy whenever they make much of ourselves, so if we have a friend that says, Oh, you know, I like spending time with you. That makes us feel good. If we have a lot of people that like our Facebook posts, oh, that, you know, that makes us feel good. Um, you know, if we get an award, whatever it may be, uh, we like things 
Things make us happy whenever they make much of ourselves. But when I'm standing at the base of that sequoia tree, it's a completely different feeling, you know? Like, it's, it's not making much of me. In fact, I'd never felt so small <laughs> just standing in front of this massive tree, but yet I'm, like, just filled with joy, like, in just the awe of the glory of, like, how massive that tree is and how beautiful it is. And that's the type of a joy that we experience with God. Like, we can't help but praise him, not because he's saying anything about, like, us that we're awesome, but because he's amazing. And we're like, you know, want to get ourselves out of the way. And it's just like, God, you know, like you're, you're up there. And like, I'm just this tiny little thing. And so it's not, it's not like God's insecure or that he's wanting approval. He's, he's inviting us. It's, it's our privilege that we get to praise God. Our, our joy becomes complete in, in, in praising him. And that's the reason that we're created is to praise him and, and to glorify him. And so I think we, we all know ultimately, like, we're created to to be about something that's bigger than ourselves. I mean, I think even even the secular world knows that, you know, that it's not all about you. You know, there's something, you know, bigger. Now, whether that be, you know, an organization or a career or something like that, um, we get the privilege of, of celebrating the glorious God like he created us too. And so this is a, a song which is a really natural mode of praise. I mean, we sing worship songs because it, it, it's praising God. That's part of why God gave us music is so that we could praise him in it. And uh, I really liked Charles Spurgeon in his commentary on the psalm. He says, some sing for form, others for show, some as a duty, others as an amusement. But to sing from the heart, because overflowing joy must find a vent, this is to sing indeed. And this is, that's, that's what I feel like the psalmist in the psalm is, is, is singing. Um, you know, he's just overflowing with, with praise from his heart because uh, he's, he's full of joy. And if you really sit back and think about it, um, God being glorified is the best thing for everyone. Um, this is why verse 4 declares, let the nations be glad and sing for joy because God is a magnificent God who brings us joy to know him and enjoy him. And we want the nations to have joy in him as well. Um, you know, like if, if I were to stand at that sequoia tree and I were just like, this sequoia tree, this is it. You know, this is amazing and like, this is what my life needs to be all about, this, this tree right here, you know, and I start like bowing down and worshiping, then the glory would be going to something that doesn't deserve it. It would be stealing it from God who actually created that tree, right? That's, that's where the praise uh, is due. And so it's best, best for everyone, um, you know, if, if, if God gets the glory, because if, if anybody else is getting the glory, then it's being steal, stolen from the one that really deserves it. And if if we know God, that's where true joy and true satisfaction is found. And so uh, we want God to be glorified um, more, more than anything because that's best, best case for everyone. And this is, this is really, if, if you think about it, the, the best reason for missions. Um, John Piper famously said, um, missions exist because worship doesn't. And that really confused me the first time I heard that quote. I was like, what is he talking about? But it's missions exist because worship doesn't. And what he means is uh, we go do missions because there's people out there, um, there's people groups, there's persons that don't worship Christ, that don't know him. And most of the time because, you know, maybe they haven't even had a chance to hear the gospel. And so we go out to share the gospel and and to tell people about Jesus because we want them to be able to praise him. They, we want them to be able to worship him. And there's, there's a lot of, like, convincing statistics that 
could say, oh, we need to go do cross-cultural missions, you know, like the, the thousands of unreached people groups or the imbalance of, of ministry here in the States versus overseas. But the best motivation for wanting to take the gospel to the nations is, is God himself, knowing him, um, seeing his glory and, and praising him, and then wanting other people to do that as well, right? To, for for letting, wanting the nations to be glad and to sing for joy. And I, I mentioned earlier that there is uh, something in this psalm that the psalmist couldn't see, um, just being in the, in the Old Testament. You know, when he says that God would be gracious to us, he had certainly seen God's grace, um, you know, that was evident towards um, his favor towards Israel, but he could not have fathomed the grace that would be shown when Jesus came. Um, you know, they knew that there would be a Messiah, but uh, the fact that God was willing to leave heaven, like humble himself to become a man, uh, to live a perfect life on our behalf, to suffer and die and bear a punishment, after three days rise again and show that he's more powerful than, than sin and death, uh, and that if we, by grace, place faith in Jesus' sacrifice for us, we're forgiven and our lives are exchanged our, our sinful lives are, are exchanged with Jesus' perfect life, and then we get to spend eternity with God instead of in hell as we deserve. And then one day Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to um, bring with him the new heaven and the new earth. And in that day, the Bible tells us, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so let's, let's pray that that happens. You know, we know that's going to happen, and let's, let's, let's pray that to, to come, that let's, let's ask God that all the peoples would praise him because of this glorious gospel. And there's a lot of resources that you, that you can use for, for praying for the nations. Um, peoplegroups.org is, is one. Joshua Project um, is another. And I would just encourage you guys, if, if you can, if, if you have the opportunity, um, then, then go. Like, go to the nations if you can. Um, go be a part of what God is doing overseas. Go call peoples to, to praise him. Um, we're blessed with, with God's saving, so that God's saving power may be known among the nations, right? And so that's why God's given us the gospel and he's given us the blessings that he has. It's for God's glory among the nations. And so, like, we, we can. We, we get to be a part of that. And even if you aren't able to go yourself, I mean, we, we need both senders and goers, right? Um, and, I, and I know BC has done a really good job of that, um, but I'm just coming along with that and, and saying, yes, this is good, you know, like, let's keep doing this. Um, we, we need those who go, and, and we need those who send. And I think we have a unique opportunity, too, as um, with HLG being here in Hannibal, that, um, you know, if you are a college student, when, when are you going to have another time in your life where you can just leave for a summer or a semester or a year and then just pick things back up right, right when you... Uh, right where you left off. And and maybe, you know, if you're not able to go yourself, maybe you can be part of um, investing in a college student and help mobilizing them to be able to go as well. Um, as as I close, I, I want to kind of answer a question that maybe some of you guys are thinking, um, and that's why, why do we need to go overseas and, overseas and share the gospel when there's so many people here who don't believe the gospel, or, and so many people here that, you know, have yet to hear the, the true gospel, and I, and I think that's a really good question, and I'm really thankful that BC is simultaneously involved with, you know, being missionally minded here, as well as part of sending people to the nations and, and praying for the nations like we just did at the start of service. 
Um, and no matter where we are, we should be making disciples. But I'm kind of focusing on in this message uh, that there is, a, there is a clear, like specific commission to preach the gospel to where it hasn't been named before. Uh, Paul in Romans 10 verses 14 and 15 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And then later in Romans 15, verse 20, he says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. So yeah, there are people here that need to hear the gospel and we should keep preaching the gospel to them. Um, but we've got to be a part of taking the gospel to where it hasn't been named before. During my time in Asia, you wouldn't believe how many conversations I would have where it would just be something like this, where I'd just be like, eventually get, you know, get to the gospel and I'd be like, hey, have you ever heard of Jesus? And they would respond something like, no, I haven't heard of Jesus. Can you tell me about him? You know, and, and that's the kind of like opportunities that that are available to be able to Nobody's even heard of, of, of Christ. And to start and tell the whole story, you know, creation of Christ, like that is such a privilege um, to, be, to be a part of. And, and you know, a, like we, we, it's not like, oh, we have to do this. You know, it's a joy. Like we were calling the nations to praise God. And so let's, let's go tell them about this, this glorious gospel. In, in the U.S., we're blessed with so many opportunities to to hear the gospel, and we shouldn't stop sharing it with people here. Um, but I, but there's so many people out there that if if we don't go, just like Paul is saying, like if how are they to believe if they if they've never heard? Um, and so there is there is a specific commission that that we want to be both involved in making disciples here, but also being involved with making disciples overseas. So God blesses us that his, his way may be known on earth, his saving power among all nations. And then the last two verses of this psalm is kind of saying the same thing. Uh, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And then, for what purpose does he bless us? So that all the ends of the earth fear him. And so that the whole earth may know God and worship him as he deserves. As we uh, transition to the Lord's Supper, I want to say a couple last things. and. Um, the first one is, you know, this song is all about praising God and, and, and calling the nations to uh, be glad and, and praise him. But you can't, you can't summon the nations to sing if you aren't singing yourself. Um, and so if you don't know Jesus in a way that makes you want to tell other people about him and, and make you, makes you want to um, call the nations to sing, then I'd love to um, talk with you afterwards about what it looks like to, to trust in Christ and to have that kind of relationship with him. And for those of you guys who have trusted in Jesus, uh, we invite you to, to join in celebrating the Lord's Supper with us. You don't have to be a member of BC to participate. You just have to have placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior. And if you have done this while you're, you're in your seats and, and you're praying and preparing your heart, um, praise God for who he is and, and for the gospel. And then ask the Father, um, you know, for you personally, what's, what's my role in bringing the nations to praise you? So, be, be thinking about that along with what, what Christ has done. Um, I'm going to pray, and then, and then afterwards, when you're ready, you can come up to one of the tables, participate in the Lord's Supper as a reminder for what Christ has done for us. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to praise you, God, that you have blessed us um, so, so much. Um, and, and, and we don't deserve it, but yet 
um, you've given us Jesus, and God, I pray that um, we would we would praise you because of that, and that we would want the nations to know this as well. And so I just ask that you would help us to to remember that um, it's a privilege to to praise you, God, and it's and it's a privilege to be able to tell other people about you and, and call the nations to be glad and to sing for joy. And I pray that as we take the Lord's Supper, that you would um, help show us what what our party is in uh, in in calling nations to praise you. And I pray that as we as we sing afterwards, God, that you would we would be able to to praise you, um, not because uh, you make much of us, but but because um, we feel so small, and when we're looking at how glorious you are, thank you so much for Jesus and for. Um, him putting death in his gra- in his grave, and uh, for your salvation, we pray these things in Jesus' name.